Got 20 minutes? Then you have time for a Bible study. Jesus, name above all names, I worship you. Jesus, you're worthy to be praised, I worship you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next several minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hey everybody, I'm Andy Baylog. And I'm Jordan Pine. Let's get started. Today, we're going to revisit the topic of love. As in the past, we won't be talking about any of the types of love that we most often think about in daily life. We'll be talking about perfect love. Let's listen now to the Word of God. A reading from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. That was Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Of course, before attempting to interpret scripture, we always start with the SPACE method. SPACE is just an acronym that reminds us to consider the speaker, the letters SP, the audience A, and the context C, before attempting an explanation, the letter E, of all of our scripture readings today. So let's use the space method, Jordan, as we study today's scriptures. Okay, the speaker is the Apostle Paul, who is the most prolific author of the New Testament. You know, uh, on social media recently, I, I often uh, engage with people, and uh, we, we do get our share, fair share of trolls. Uh, usually they're atheists that want to attack you know, anybody who is professing uh, a religious point of view. Common and understandable. So uh, one of the, um, among the many things that this particular atheist said, he claimed that the Bible was written by very uneducated people. Hmm. And, 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 you know, I, I use the Apostle Paul to prove him wrong because, and it was quick and it was easy because, you know, he was one of the most educated men of his time, you know, Paul. He was uh, personally taught by Jesus for three years in the desert of Arabia as well. And uh, that's according to Galatians. And, you know, he received special higher knowledge that he called my gospel and shared in his letters, which make up most of the New Testament. Yeah, amen to that. That is all true. Now, moving on to the audience. The audience here is the church at Rome. Now, this church, in case you don't know, was made up of both Jews and Christians, and it was led by two heroes of the book of Acts, and that was Aquila and Priscilla. And, you know, many scholars assume that Paul approved of this church because this letter to the Romans contains none of the rebukes that you might find in some other letters. Yeah, so uh, just going back for a second, it was a mixed church of, uh, I guess, when you say Christians, you mean like Gentiles and Jews. Well, Correct. obviously everyone was a Christian at that point, but they were 
Some Jewish background, some Gentile background. Exactly. Okay. Hellenistic Jews and Hebraic Jews. Oh, okay, yeah, good. Very fancy. Which converted to Christians. <laughs> right. As for the context, Romans contains the complete core doctrine of Christianity. This is a very important letter. It's a great letter if you ever want to sort of study what exactly it was that the apostles were teaching to these new Christians and, and to, these, um, you know, to these Gentiles and Jews who were becoming Christians. Because the Apostle Paul, he didn't have a chance to go and personally pastor this church. Um, he left it to some of the other elders that were there. And um, because he wasn't going to make it there, you know, he talks about being hindered. Uh, it wasn't God's plan for him to be there, essentially. What he did was he wrote this letter, which he intended to be a comprehensive summary of everything that he had been teaching in person. So we can actually, it's a huge blessing for us who obviously we can't know or go back in time and actually witness what they were teaching. Well, it's all right there in that book for us to read. And, you know, and his advice includes you know, this famous verse, for example, which is verse 7, render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And you know, I, I mentioned that because this church in Rome was essentially like a church in, Washington, in the Washington, D.C. of its day, because right. Rome was the political capital of, of really the universe at that point. And, you know, this also, um, what I just read, of course, echoes Jesus' advice, which was, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, depending on which translation you're reading. But, um, you know, th- there's all kinds of great advice like that in, in this particular um, epistle. Okay, so now that we know who the speaker, the audience, and the context is of our scripture reading, let's attempt now an explanation. So, let's break down the scripture reading so far. Romans 13.8, and it reads, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. And then, of course, he repeats almost this exact phrasing in verse 10, bookending this section of Scripture, and this is what it says. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, just one point, Jordan, here. First, you know, the Apostle Paul's advice to, quote, owe nothing to anyone except love is a reference, and it's a connector to the previous verse that we spoke about earlier. And that verse reads, Render to all what is due to them. Tax to whom taxes due, like you mentioned earlier, the reference in Matthew 22. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. And honor to whom honor. And then comes this verse, which in the NIV reads, Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. Yeah, so question, Andy, why is it important to render what is due or to give everything you owe so that you owe nothing? What, 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 is, the, um, what is the meaning of that? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's in two parts. There's two ways to look at it in, you know, from this context here. One, I would say to be free from the fear of persecution. And I think that's, that's huge. So paraphrasing verse three of our text, Paul writes, and this is you know, in our language here, in our words, Rulers are not a cause of fear for those who practice good behavior, for example, rendering what is due. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, or in other words, pay your debts of money, respect, etc. And then another you know, key point I would say is, number two, to avoid the sort of negative conditions or you know, like anger and jealousy that become the motivation for doing the opposite of loving your neighbor. And, you know, for example, wrongdoing your neighbor in any way. Right. Yeah, so moving on to the core of verses 8 and 10, the Apostle Paul teaches that love, specifically loving your neighbor here, 
is the fulfillment of the law. And that's a powerful statement. And this is obviously a reference to the Ten Commandments, which he does cite in part in verse 9. So he covers adultery, murder, theft, and covetousness. And that last one, covetousness, can be viewed as a motivation for the other ones. So, for example, let's look at Exodus 20.17. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And you know, Andy, even the commandment against lying can also be viewed in this light. For example, look at the language of Exodus 20.16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Yeah, that's a great point, Jordan. And you know, Jesus added to our understanding of these commandments during the Sermon on the Mount, which you could read in detail in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And of course, referencing what you mentioned in Exodus 20, that was the time when God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. Right. So these are very, you know, important periods in the Bible, Old Testament and New. When you connect it, it's the time of, of law. And of course, we're studying fulfilling the law and what it takes to do that. But, you know, going back to what I said, he took love to the next level. Jesus right. did. You know, for example, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, and the verses that I'm going to read are 43 to 45, he wrote, he said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. And I know that sounds very, very difficult. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. so many times as Christians that, you know, we're doing everything we're supposed to under this new law that Jesus is giving to his disciples or those who are striving for excellence to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's just people that pull us underwater, right? Then we, we're human. You know, we're not God. We're not Jesus. We never can be. But I think what Jesus is trying to say is, I know you're going through that, but strive for it. Fight through it. Right. And of course, the goal, and we'll talk about this another time, of why, what gives us that, that boost? What gives us that motivation to fight through those temptations of saying, hey, look, it's not fair. You're killing me here, you know? You're, you're making me want to hate you, and you're, you're becoming my enemy. I don't want you to be the enemy, right. but it is what it is, and, and we learn in, in the Sermon on the Mount that it's all about the reward and the blessings to come. And, you know, getting back to the point here, as Jesus shows us, the Greek word for love in, in, in Matthew 5, 43 to 45, being used in all of these verses is limitless. It's a limitless love. It is the highest form of love at the level of the divine. And here it's actually the word agape. And it's, it's distinct from other Greek words for love. Yeah, there are actually four words in, um, in New Testament Greek, all translated as the one word love in English. And we've talked about this before. I'll just go through it quickly again, you know, as a refresher. The others are eros, which is the, uh, the word love, but in the sense of desire, from which we get our word erotic. Uh, there's starge, which is a family love, love of family. And there's philia, which is friendship or brotherly love. And it's, um, you know, we, then the city named Philadelphia, which is actually in the Bible, by the way, that, that whole word Philadelphia is in the Bible in the New Testament Greek. Uh, it, it means the city of brotherly love. So, when you, when you see in the Greek the word phileof and translated love, it means brotherly love. So, you know, agape is this fourth and higher than all of these form of love. And going back to what you were saying earlier, you know, how is it possible to love your enemies? You know, it, it's so the flesh cannot do it. We cannot do oh, yeah. it as humans. 100%. It's, it's only, only the divine level of love that could ever get us to that point where we could actually love an enemy. So, um, you know, that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's describing 
unconditional love, you know, such as the love that parents feel for their children, it's limitless, right? Or even more precisely, and really the, the underlying message, it's, it's God's love for, for all of us, for His Son, and for all of His children. Amen to that. You know, I just want to bring up here a point. We were reading about this, and there's an American psychologist, an author, his name is M. Scott Peck, who's a brother in Christ, and he was a Christian. He came up with a great way of helping modern people understand the word agape, I guess you could say in human terms, and layman's terms. And it was in his 1978 classic book, The Road Less Traveled. And here's a little excerpt of what he wrote. The experience of real love has to do with ego boundaries. Since it, vo- it involves an extension of one's limits, one's limits are one's ego boundaries. When we extend our limits through love, we do so by reaching out, so to speak, toward the beloved, whose growth we wish to nurture. For us to be able to do this, the beloved object must first become beloved to us. In other words, we must be attracted toward, invested in, and committed to an object outside of ourselves, beyond the boundaries of self. So, you know, based on this, we can understand agape as the extension of our quote-unquote ego boundaries. Yeah, I recall when I first read The Road Less Travel and read that, that was one of the main things that stuck with me, is that it's, it's a very unique definition of love, at least by American standards, to say, well, what is true love? What is the kind of love that we're talking about with agape or agape? And that is the extension of your ego boundaries to the point where that other person is encompassed within your boundaries, which means everything that you love for yourself, you know, your, your self-preservation, your, you know, even pride expands and envelops that person to the point where you think of them as yourself. That is the, one of the highest forms of love. That is agape in a, in a human sense. So it's amazing because you made a point how, you know, probably the best way for us to understand or truly define purely the word agape is the relationship God the Father had with His Son, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and of course also His children, whom we are if we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. But we did talk about ego here, and if you think about ego, it's, it's about how I feel. So us being men, right, or even for a woman who might be listening out there, you know, a good question I might raise is, do we agape love our spouse? Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, I'll just give you an example, you know, heaven forbid for anybody out there, but, you know... I being married, if I was to find out that my wife was cheating on me or my wife was, you know, thinking about leaving me for another man or what have you, the question is, do I unconditionally love her at that point? If she doesn't want me in her life or decides that I'm not, you know, good enough to fulfill what she needs in her life, does she still become part of that envelope of agape, you know, that unconditional love? However, when we're talking about children, you know, thinking about even though my wife, you know, my wife and I might go through that, can my children do anything wrong for them to fall out of that circle, right. you know? And to me, the answer would be no. Well, it's, it's a fascinating thought process because w- what you're saying essentially is that, you know, let's really push ourselves to see if our love is conditional. Yeah. And your love is conditional ultimately. It's hard, as hard. I know what you're saying, so yeah. hard, and I can't even yeah. pretend that I would be able to be okay with Anything you just said. Yeah. But um, ultimately, if you keep drilling down on yourself, you're going to find that in the flesh, your love is conditional. Your wife could do something where you would stop loving her. And that means it's not unconditional, right? So yeah. Jesus is really challenging us. Throughout the Bible, by the way, when Absolutely. you look at the word love, nine times out of ten, I found when I go into the Greek, he's talking about agape. He's not talking about yes. brotherly love, family love. You know, there, there is erotic love in the Bible, but it's yeah. more in the Old Testament. 
But it's always agape when Jesus is speaking. And, and, you know, we'll see that more and more. No, I agree with you. And I guess maybe for our listeners to understand, if I could kind of clarify this, husbands, if we see our wives as our spouse, because there is an ego boundary, Mm -hmm. it's impossible for, for us to be able to truly love them with agape love. But if we see them as our sister in Christ, or if you see your husband as your brother in Christ, mm. and, and that's a part of a family, like the way you see your children, that there's really nothing they could do wrong right. for them to fall out of your heart. If you see your wife as someone that God put in your life that you're responsible for, that you love as a sister in Christ, that even if they do stumble, our egos might think is you know unforgivable. We still love them and we make those sacrifices for them to keep them on God's path. Yeah, so another way that Jesus articulates what this love means, the greatest example of this love in human life, at least, is self-sacrifice to the point of ultimate, the ultimate sacrifice, right? And we see that in John 15, 13, where Jesus says, greater love, and again, as I mentioned earlier, that's going to be agape in the Greek, it is agape in the Greek, has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And of course, this verse immediately follows a commandment that Jesus gave his disciples, which was, Love one another just as I have loved you. And you can guess what that Greek word is there. So he was, of course, foreshadowing his death on the cross. And in that same conversation with his disciples, he also gave a prophecy. He said, A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me. You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. And that's John 16, 16, and 19. Excellent, Jordan. Now, going back to John 15, 13, that word friends is also interesting. The words, greater love has no one than to lay down his life for his friends, is what we read. In the next verse, verse 14, Jesus tells his disciples, you are my friends. But then he makes it conditional, if you do what I command you. And he explains in verse 16 by saying, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you would go and bear fruits. Now that's works. Keep that in mind. And that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he might give it to you. And then Jesus reiterates in verse 17, this I command you that you love one another. So Jordan, we see again a deeper teaching and this teaching is actually of the kingdom. Yeah, it's basically saying that love has a purpose. It's not just a feeling. And so that's another key thing that we should understand here. We do talk a lot about love within Christianity, and a lot of time it gets a little touchy-feely. And it's important to understand that this agape, unconditional, boundless love does have a purpose. Um, and that purpose is uh, the, the whole reason that um, Jesus you know, gave us this self-sacrifice, that God sent his son to earth to die for us. It was all with a purpose, you know, and and everyone's going to say, well, that's, that's obvious, right? It was about the gift of, of salvation and re- reconciling with God. And that's true. But there was also a deeper purpose and a greater reward. And that is, we just, you, you just read it, Andy. If we bear fruit, if we do what Jesus has commanded us, then we earn the right to be called his friends. And his friends, spoiler alert, get to rule and reign with him when he comes into his earthly kingdom. That's the underlying point there. Amen. Absolutely. Excellent, Jordan. So to recap, and let's get some takeaways from today's lesson. In our lives, we need to recognize that true love is loving someone the same way we love ourselves. Or as Dr. Peck put it, extending our ego boundaries to include others, if not everyone. 
every Christian. This is an important and, and timely message, Jordan, because true love is lacking, I think, and everybody could, could agree with this in today's society. Yeah, just look at the divorce rate. You know, people cannot truly love even one other person, their spouse, as you were alluding to earlier, the mother or father of their children, in the way that God wants. That's how difficult it is to do it in the flesh, right? Without, without God, these things wouldn't be possible. And, you know, I mean, self-sacrifice, come on, people won't even sacrifice short-term good feelings for their wife or or for their kids in many cases. So not only does this failure to love violate the commandments of Jesus and the Apostle Paul, it also but ensures that we're going to fall short of the kingdom. Yeah, and you know, without agape, we cannot hope to meet the standard that's required to enter the kingdom. And we learned that, you know, according to Jesus' teaching. And going back, you know, using that fruit analogy, bearing good fruits, requires the nutrients that only agape can provide. Good point. And, you know, the more you and I work towards fulfilling the call to agape, that sacrificial, unconditional, you know, no ego line love, the closer we are to being the kind of person that King Jesus, we hope, will call us friends when he returns. And that's our lesson, which means we have just a few minutes left for Get 20, Give 20. Get 20 is our reminder that you can get a 20-minute Bible study anytime you like by visiting our website. We archive all lessons and make them available for free at 20minutebiblestudies.org. You can listen online or download them for later or even subscribe to the podcast version and have new lessons automatically delivered to your favorite smart device. Even more important, our website is the place where you can join in on our Bible studies by sharing your comments and asking any question you might have. We do have a growing Facebook community as well and a discussion forum. While you're on the site, you should also sign up for email alerts so we can let you know when new lessons have been added to the site. And when you sign up for our email alerts, our first email back to you will include a link to a special series that we've titled 10 Mind-Blowing Things You Didn't Know Were in the Bible. It's an eye-opening set of Bible lessons, and it's our little thank you for joining our online community. And it's all online at 20minutebiblestudies.org. Or if you don't want to type so much, 20mbs.org. We'll get you there much faster. Moving on to Give 20, this is our special initiative to reach as many spiritually hungry Christians as we can. We know so many Christians today are struggling to make time to study God's Word, and maybe they're feeling guilty that they aren't often able to do that. We all know studying the Word of God is vital to our spiritual growth, yet it can be so hard sometimes to find a good study group and then attend that group on a regular basis. That's why we created 20-Minute Bible Studies. Everyone can find 20 minutes for God, and now, with this audio program, that's all Christians will need. They can listen to a Bible study whenever and wherever they like. The Give 20 initiative is your chance to participate in this great ministry and receive the special blessings that come from spreading God's word. By giving just $20 per month, you can help us create more lessons and reach more believers than ever before. Plus, we pledge that every cent you contribute, every cent, will go directly toward recording and broadcasting more lessons like the one you heard today. And since our ministry is an official nonprofit registered with the government, your donation is also fully tax deductible. To join our Give 20 initiative, visit 20mbs.org and just click donate. And finally, 20 Minute Bible Studies is a ministry of Mysteries of the Kingdom, a nonprofit organization dedicated to educating Christians in preparation for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you like what you heard today and want to get deeper into God's Word, we strongly recommend you visit the website of Mysteries of the Kingdom, MOTK.org. Yes, these radio studies are just 20 minutes. 
but our MOTK lessons last as long as needed to fully understand whatever passage of scripture we're studying. If you're interested in learning more about what you heard today, you'll definitely want to check out our in-depth, multi-part studies, which are available for free at MOTK.org. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple, to the Abundant Life Worship Center for the music for our show, and to Tom Pine for our scripture reading. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.